0: many years of ministry I cannot count even one time when someone in the hospital asked me to read this psalm for them not at weddings or funerals or on any other hallowed ground has anyone ever asked me Mac would you please please read that beloved old psalm psalm 26. And yet, to be sure, it is a moving and transcendent prayer, isn't it? I believe it quite captures a very significant dimension of the human heart. Because it says how we often feel, whether we've been wronged or we feel like we've done the right thing when others around us did not do the right thing. But it does, a quick reading does allow us. Uh, to assume that the psalmist might be a bit too prideful. A cursory reading invites us to imagine this particular psalmist might even be the patron saint of self-righteousness. Vindicate me, O God, for I have walked in my integrity. Psalm 26 may even remind us of the Pharisee standing beside the tax collector in that well-known parable in Luke, where the reviled tax collector is sitting somewhere somewhere in the back pew, under the balcony, and he's saying, uh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. While the Pharisee is standing up near the front, saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. I mean, try that one on next time somebody asks you to pray at Thanksgiving. Dear God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. <laughs> a few years ago, our congregation made a communal promise, a commitment to praying the Psalms daily, and each of us has our own way of doing it. Some of us read them devotionally or according to a, an office or an electionary. Others have memorized one or two of them, and we recite them before we sleep and when we wake. Two of my colleagues This Wednesday night, Tommy and Amy spoke of how the first thing they do upon entering their office each day, coming into work, is open their Bibles and read and pray a psalm. And when we began this practice together, one of the ways I invited us to pray the psalms was to imagine a specific person or a community that we might imagine would be saying these words or praying in this way. So we think about our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, strangers, anyone whose voice you hear when you read any particular song. And imagine them saying the words and then let us open our hearts to their experience. That's a way of praying a song. So today I want to invite us to consider... Psalm 26 as a prayer that a nurse would pray. A prayer that a nurse would pray at any time in the over the past two months. So late May and early June of this year, y'all remember those great times? Those were good times. Uh, It seemed like the world was coming around again, and vaccinations were. We're moving along in a good clip. Mass mandates were being canceled. We even began gathering in here, vaccinated and maskless and full of hope. It was a promising time. and We we seem to be fumigating this here world. And then. For my sermon today, I put on my journalist hat and interviewed an ICU nurse. And I asked her to tell me, this was a phone, telephone interview. I asked her to tell me what she was going through. And that's that's all I said. And then the floodgate opened. As she spoke, often pausing to collect her emotions, her voice and her heart often dovetailed with the psalm. And I also mentioned to her many lament psalms at the end of our congregation that she reminded me of. So I want now to listen to her Listen to this modern-day psalmist speak. Early on, she said, my colleagues and I felt like we were part of something historic. We were all in this together. We were all exhausted, but we felt the community's support. We were hailed as heroes and people were clapping for us on the way into work and on the way out of work. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Now, she said, it feels like the public has turned on us and we feel like we're the enemies. Patients and their families are angry with us. We endure verbal abuse and threats. My colleagues and I were recently comparing ourselves to the way Vietnam veterans were treated when they came home, she said. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. She said, I hear the family members of patients saying, we need a miracle. And I want to say, God gave us a vaccine. That's the miracle. I have to explain why we can't give them ivermectin. And these patients are getting sicker and they're younger. And there are more pregnant women and more postpartum deaths. Prove me, O Lord. And try me. Test my heart and mind. Her voice began to shake when she spoke of her children. They, they asked me, she said, Mommy, are you going to die? And she said, Maybe I'm, I'm trying not to. She said, I try to reason with my patients, but the level of, of denial is incredible. Some families have believed their loved ones would get better when we took them off the ventilator. One of my dying patient's sons brought COVID home to her unknowingly. He said, I thought it was a hoax. And he was repentant and he got the vaccine. But it was too late for her. Lord, I wash my hands in innocence and I go around your altar. Because she's a Christian, I asked her about her faith. And she said, nursing has not helped my faith. I've had to change my faith in order to keep it. I don't really know what to pray for. I don't see a divine way out of this. I see God in my family, but not in the world. I've seen kindness and I've seen goodness, but it's so dim compared to the darkness. Lord, do not sweep me away. I asked her the wonderful question that John Claypool once asked Barbara Brown Taylor. What is saving you now? She said, my family and my longtime friends exercise nature, trusting that this too shall pass. I appreciate the small things, the beautiful things, Flowers in my yard. Sensing God's presence in the silences. I'm grateful for what's still right. Oh Lord, I love the house in which you dwell. And the place where your glory abides. And she said, it's so hurtful. People don't believe us. They don't trust us. We do our jobs and we go home. But as for me, I walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. Hear her prayer. And know of her compassion as well. I want to be sure that I convey this. She never spoke condescendingly about anyone. Not about her patience. She spoke compassionately. There was no figment of malice. Even in her frustration, you could hear how she loved her patients. She did not blame or accuse. She longed for their healing. I appreciated this so much because each one of us has our stories, don't we? And members of our congregation have endured so much heartbreak. Partners, parents, siblings, cousins, saying goodbye Some of these were so frustrating. Whereas the psalmist speaks of hypocrites and the company of evildoers, the wicked, the bloodthirsty, those whose right hands are full of bribes, we should reserve those categories for those who are responsible for disseminating the false information, for political gain, financial gain. Not for those who've been tricked, and friends, so many have been tricked. But as for our nurse, her heart was with her people. The psalmist ends with her own determination to trust in God in spite of the evidence. But as for me, she says, I walk in my integrity, redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground in the great congregation. I will bless the Lord. And this is the good news for us today. And this is where I want everything to land. I want always to land with the good news because God knows we've had our share of bad. What is the good news in all of this? The good news in part is that we can pray like this. We can pour out our hearts and we can level with God. We can ask God to level with us by echoing the psalmist in our own prayers. We are exercising our spiritual rights to hold God accountable to our trust. In other words, God, we trust you. Will you you please show up? Just as God has shown loving kindness across generations, we too can expect God To show up when we imitate God's loving kindness in the world. So God, we have done the right thing. Y'all with me. I feel you praying these prayers. Since I've come back from sabbatical, I, I hear this longing in our congregation for redemption For vindication, yes, there's the frustration, yes, there are the tears and the longing for a better day, but I also hear prayers in you. So God, we have done the right thing, I feel us saying. We have been a responsible congregation, I feel us saying. We have been faithful at our own expense and we have not confused license for freedom. We have cared for our community by not prolonging the pandemic. We have been kind to each other. We have been generous. God, we have walked in our integrity. We have not wavered. And we have loved the house in which you dwell. And we have missed it. Now, God, redeem us and be gracious to us. You can pray like that. And your words will be tracing right along with the prayer book of the Bible. So when I speak of beautiful belonging and when I invite everyone to see the goodness unfolding here each day of the week, it's because I see congregations like ours all around the world who share in communion with us today and every Sunday as walking in integrity that the world may know, and this is so crucial, that the world may know that the gospel saves lives and the gospel changes lives. I believe psalm-shaped communities provide a level ground in a disorienting world. And I believe faithful, generous communities will be the ones repairing the devastations of many generations, what is all of this for, if not this, to build up a place where God's trust and our trustworthiness meet for the world's